Did you hear what they were singing? Are you going to live? As one who's been forgiven by God Almighty. Are you going to live with his kingdom shining through you that the world will see Christ in how you live? When I think about that, there's, there are really no words that I can say other than praise be to Jesus. Praise. Praise Jesus for what he has done. For what he's doing. Our scripture this morning is from the book of Ephesians, first chapter. Beginning with the 13th verse. Hear the words of Paul. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you, while making mention of you in all my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us? Who believe. Would you pray with me? Father, may the words of my mouth, oh Jesus, may the meditations of our hearts together as one body, as your body, may they be acceptable and pleasing in your sight our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A couple of, I guess it's been almost six months ago now, I was scrolling through news stories. And uh, my eye caught on this one particular news story about an inheritance. Turned out this older gentleman in Nevada was living by himself and Seem didn't really to have a whole lot of friends. Um, no one in the neighborhood really knew him very well. And so 
at some point, the neighbors started to complain or, or the police received complaints about some odor coming from this man's house. And they investigated and it turned out this man had passed away about a month beforehand. No one knew. And so when the, when the county clerk went into the man's home to begin the process of, of going through his possessions and, and starting the process uh, after he passed away, he got to the garage and found a treasure trove of gold bars and gold coins, the sheer weight of which was worth $7 billion. The man had $200 in his bank account. No one knew what this man had. And this man had, his, his uh, children had already passed before him. He had no more brothers or sisters alive, and the authorities had no idea what to do with this money. And at, as they, uh, they had the funeral for the man, and it uh, turns out that through the, the guest list uh, from the funeral, the authorities were able to identify one long-lost cousin who had not talked to this guy in several years, and she got the entire inheritance. You know, when we think of the word inheritance, our minds immediately go to monetary and physical possessions. Something we can touch, we can feel, we know it's there. And for those of us who may have wealthy parents or grandparents, we know one day we'll be getting some of those things from them. Some are a little maybe too eager to, to get those things. I know, uh, heard of a couple of sisters who, when their parents were barely 60 years old, had already started to claim some of the possessions that they had in the house. One of the sisters wanted the grandfather clock, and the other sister said, okay, you can take the grandfather clock, but I want the ta- kitchen table. And uh, it, it, it just kind of exemplifies how we look at our life sometimes. Yet when we get to the first chapter of Ephesians here, Paul speaks of inheritance in a very different way. A way in which all of those that have passed before us would probably love to come back and tell us, you have no idea what it's like up here. Because the inheritance that we have is not one of earthly possessions. It's not one of worldly goods. It's a spiritual, it's a heavenly, it's an eternal inheritance. It's what allows us to get up in the morning and even though the whole world may be collapsing upon us, we know because the promise that God made to us that Paul speaks of here when he says, because you believed, because you believe in Christ, you've been given a promise. And that promise is the Holy Spirit. My presence within you that will enable you to do so many things. 
a promise, a pledge of that inheritance, that inheritance being your final redemption. When we came into this world, Paul tells us we were slaves to sin and to death without hope, without a prayer to do anything on our own. Yet because of because of Christ, because of the cross, we have hope. We know that there is something that is waiting us on the other shore. Something beyond this life that is above and beyond anything we can even possibly imagine in our world today. We know it's waiting for us. We know it's coming. Yet at the same time, Paul, I think, is also very clear that while, yes, our final inheritance, our final redemption will take place in the next age, there is a redemption that is happening right here, right now. Because if it was simply as easy as believing in Christ and God simply plucking you up out of the world and bringing you into heaven, then Paul wouldn't be writing to the Ephesians. Redemption is about a story, a journey, a day-by-day account of how we live our lives. Yes, we look forward to that day when we will see Jesus face to face, when we will surround the throne of God and sing praises with the elders and all the saints who have gone before us. But the kingdom of God is just as present here and now. And we need to be a part of that. That is why I believe as we go further down the passage this morning to the 18th verse, Paul says very clearly that this this promise, this inheritance, this pledge that God has given to you, the Holy Spirit inside of you is going to enable you to do some very specific things. And Paul says, I am praying that this becomes true in your lifetime. He prays that the Ephesians would know what is the hope of their calling. Their calling as sons and daughters of God, as members of the kingdom of heaven. Paul wants the Ephesians to understand that there is something beyond what is happening today that you have to look forward to. There is something that you will experience that you will eventually come to know. And no matter what this world may throw at you, no matter what may happen in your life, and let's be honest, life down here is not always a cupcake. We all have our shares of heartaches. We all, at one time or another, deal with death. We deal with sickness. 
We deal with broken relationships. We deal with suffering. Yet in the midst of all of that, the Holy Spirit is inside of you telling you, hold on to me because it's going to be better. Hold on to me because there is something that I have in store for you that is going to blow your socks off and be far above whatever you can even think about down here. I don't know if you've thought about that. When Jesus went up to heaven, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I've got a room for you. you. Have you ever thought about what your room would look like? What your place in heaven would look like? I've got a friend who, who he's pretty sure about what his place in heaven is going to look like. And I'm sure this is, uh, he's saying kind of this tongue-in-cheek, but I always find it kind of funny. Uh, he imagines himself in this nice big house out on the lake. Beautiful scenic view. And I'm sure he's got a dock with a big boat there so they can go out fishing and water skiing and tubing and all this other stuff. And, uh, and this big back porch where he just, it, every day is going to be sipping uh, tea, iced tea, sweet tea, of course. He's a southern guy. Sweet tea on the back porch. And this is the best part about it. And he's going to do it with Reba McIntyre. <laughs> he, he, he told me he and Reba are going to be tight. They are going to do that every day because Reba's living right next to him. But have you thought about what your place in heaven is going to be like? What you are hoping for? Paul also prays that the Ephesians may understand the riches of God's glory, of his inheritance in the saints. There are very few people that have passed through this earth, through this world, that know what God's glory is all about. The story of Moses comes to mind when God passed through his midst and, and, God, and Moses saw God's glory as he passed on. The disciples on the mount when Jesus was transfigured is another story that comes to mind of someone who has witnessed the glory of God. And you know, there it is hard to describe what the glory of God is like because it's not tangible. It's not something you can grab a hold of. The best way that I can describe it is, and you may have experienced this uh, in your life, you may not have, you may have heard stories about it, but sometimes, sometimes don't you meet someone who seems larger than life? Like, you'll be at a party with a bunch of your friends, and, you know, the, the party's cool, and everybody's having fun, and all of a sudden, this person walks in, and everything, all the energy, all the people, everything in that party is suddenly drawn to that person. Not because they're trying to, to make it all about them, not because they're, they're being selfish in any way, but something about their persona, something about their character, their, something about who they are just draws people in. That, I think, is the best way to describe the glory of God. It's going to be something that just draws us in. A bright light, a, a clap of 
lightning, something so brilliant and so magnificent like a huge magnetic field. It will just draw us in. The Holy Spirit will give us a glimpse of what that looks like as we fellowship with Him here on earth. And then the third thing that Paul prays for is that they would know what is the surpassing power, greatness of his power towards those who believe. This power that the Holy Spirit offers is not one to simply grab a hold of and use for your own benefit, for your own purposes. In another letter, Paul writes to the Colossae church and basically says, Jesus could have had the power and the authority to do whatever he wanted. He could have grabbed a hold of that, which was only due to God the Father, and taken it for his own and done whatever he wanted to. But he said, no, that's not what I've been sent to do. Paul says he humbled himself, came down on earth, and went to the cross for you and me. This power that comes from the Holy Spirit is is not necessarily a power to go out and do great and mighty things and wondrous things that will awe and amaze the crowds. That's not to say that there are not some who are not called to do that. But I believe for most of us, this power from the Holy Spirit is the ability to make it through whatever comes our way. It's the power to comfort, to encourage, to lift one another, to lift one another up. The Holy Spirit is God's promise to us that this world is not all there is. Because we can look out in the newspapers and on television and on the radio and think this world is just going to hell in a handbasket. Yet within each of you is this still small voice saying, No, there is hope. There is hope in a dying world for your redemption, for your salvation, for your participation in God's kingdom. And then one day, oh, what a glorious day this will be. One day, we will be joining the great cloud of witnesses that Hebrews talks about. Cheering on those who come after us, just as they cheer us on as we run the race. Have you ever thought about that? You have your own personal cheering section in heaven. As you run this race that God has called you to, there are people cheering for you up in heaven right now. That, to me, that is a marvelous thought. 
it lets me know that I'm not alone. That there are those around me who are praying for me and cheering for me. This morning at St. Matthew's, we celebrate those who have been among us who are now part of that cheering section. Who are now part of the great cloud of witnesses that have gone on before, that have experienced the glory of God in His fullest. Have received the fullness of their redemption. And are now standing around the throne singing, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. You will notice in the order of worship we have listed the names of those from our church who have passed on in the last year. David and I will be reading their names one by one. Tim will be ringing a bell in, in, commemor- in memory of them, and a candle will be lit. For those of family members who are here that would like to light a candle, I'll invite it uh, in a few seconds if you would just find a seat at the very front row here uh, so that you may come and light a candle for your beloved one. And let us remember that this is not just a time to mourn. Anytime we lose someone who's close to us, there are tears. There is sorrow. Yet because of what Christ has done for us, there is also joy. Because we know that something better awaits us. So as we honor these saints of St. Matthew's, I'll invite everyone to stand that we might remember their lives and their ministry in the kingdom. Delois Barrett. Vicki Bowen. Luther Hammonds. Lori Holland. Lou Lee. Deanna Merrill.
Hugh Newton. Bess Patrick. Lee Roberts. Christy Sigrist. Byron Simon. Helen Smith. Wesley Youngblood. The symbol of the candle is eternal, ever burning, ever lighting the way. And we remember these saints as they lit our way, as they cheer us on, as they give us hope that there is something to look forward to. How will you respond? How will you respond to the hope of the gospel? Jesus says, I knock. Who will answer? Will you answer today? Will your life be about the kingdom of God today? I pray that it will.